Not Just Football with Cam Hayward is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. I'm at Coachella, and Troy came running across the field to grab me to say hi because he saw me. You know, it was like Wait, Troy was at Coachella with the whole family. <laughs> what? Everybody. Kids? Oh yeah, man. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Not Just Football with Cam Hayward. You know me, number 97, Cam Hayward. You know Hayden, my producer and longtime friend. And now we have a special guest. You may know him from True Blood. You may know him from Magic Mike. You may know him from his Dungeons and Dragons or One Tree Hill or Spider-Man, which was his first acting gig. And he's a Steelers super fan. Joe, welcome to the show. What's up, Cam? Thanks for having me. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. I, I want to jump right in and ask, how'd you feel about this season? I was very optimistic uh, about the way the season wound up. I think there were a lot of young people that stepped up. Um, um, you know, little brothers that had good games. <laughs> uh, older brothers who were just the same dependable, kick-ass, all-pro level players that we knew that they were. Um, but no, I, I think it was, um, you know, I was really excited about the future, you know, and, and, and I really, I wanted the playoffs so bad for you guys and for those young guys, you know, like I, I did because I really thought that um, the way the season started out and the way it ended were like two completely different situations. Yeah, night and day, you know, we, uh, we lose TJ early. Um you know, and we're trying to figure out our quarterback situation, trying to figure out what we're doing on offense. And then, you know, I felt like we were playing our best brand of football at the very end and not punching that ticket to the playoffs killed me. Um, but I think the cool thing was, you know, in January, you're already talking about AFC North, North next year, we got it. So, you know, I think that was a pretty big statement, but like I love Steeler fans who hold us accountable and make sure that we know we got to get our stuff together. Yeah, man, it's it's the you know there's a real symbiotic relationship between the town and 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 the team, you know, and and in a in a great way. I'd like to think, you know, um, I remember being, I remember being on the field at one point before I was going to wave the towel before one of the games, and um, and there was a, a guy and and his girlfriend where they were standing there also on the sideline. And the girlfriend looked over and said, oh, Spaith's active? Now, at the time, Spaith was our fourth string tight end. And he was on injured reserve for, like, half the season. And he had just been reactivated. And, like, this guy standing there and his girlfriend's like, yeah, you know, that." Yeah, but that's Pittsburgh to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody is a Steeler fan. Everybody. Like, like growing up, I remember... You know, I, I went to college in Carne at Carnegie Mellon, which is in Shadyside. Now, mm -hmm. at the time, I worked for Camel Cigarettes. Okay, <laughs> I, I was the guy, and I was Joe Camel, so I would go to the bars around Pittsburgh and pass the cigarettes. Now, before that, I at age sixteen, I started dressing up like Captain Morgan. So I was Captain Morgan. I got paid oh. twenty bucks an hour to dress up in the pirate suit with the wig, the hat, the eye patch the sword and the little pistol and the cape and the little booties you put over your shoes to make them look like yeah. real but the face <laughs> I had a tank on my back like a backpack full of rum with a tap on it like I had the craziest jobs in Pittsburgh anyway it led me yeah. I worked for Camel one of my Camel bars was New York New York now in New York New York for people that don't know was like one of the biggest gay bars in Pittsburgh like dance clubs right mm -hmm. Sunday it was the Steeler bar you know what I mean? Like, what I'm trying to say is, like, 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 as long, you know, everybody's a Steeler fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was the thing that unified everybody, no matter what your lifestyle, who you were, what you, you know, what you did for a living, you know, like, you, what you did in your personal life. Like, it, it was you rooted mm. for that team. And there was something really nice about that, that when you yeah. go away from Pittsburgh and you meet someone from Pittsburgh, there's so much in common, like you have that bond. And so, um, you know, you're talking about that team hold, you know, or the town holding the team accountable. It's just, 
we we live and die with you. You know, we ride and die with the team. And, and right. it's so much fun because, like I said, like, no matter who you are, if you're in Pittsburgh, like, you better root for that team on Sunday, which is why they can put those traffic lights on blink. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So what would you say is the biggest rival, biggest threat to to the Steelers right now? Right now, I would say it's the Bengals, um, to be honest with you. Um, in fact, as soon as the season was over, I said – Next year, Pittsburgh Steelers, AFC North champions. Like, I, I put it in a tweet. Mm-hmm. And I just got so much Bengal hate, you know, underneath. And it was like, look, man, you know, if we don't go on, we don't take that slide in the middle of the season, we win that. We win yeah. the division. You know, like, we're also the guys that stomped the Bengals first game of the season, like, in near historic fashion. So don't give me this, like, oh, we're going to crush it. Because, like, don't give me that. Like, it was like... Yeah. That close, even with. Well, I wouldn't say stomp. It was it was a game that went to overtime. Yeah, it was closer than it's stopping. I would say defensively they stopped him. I don't know offensively if you could say that, but listen, I'll, I'll be your agent, okay? <laughs> Please do. Him. Please do. Yeah, no. like that game right there took lives off my life. I mean, years off my life. It was, it was crazy. A crazy game. But like you know, it was so much fun to watch. I mean, it was such an explosive game, and I think it really showed you like the caliber of, of weapon that we had on defense for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just really showed off that defense. So, but I think, I guess the Bengals right now, um, you know, uh, as we learned with the Ravens, it's like, and that's, a, they're in a tricky situation right now. Cause the last time they gave away that gigantic quarterback contract, it tanked the team for years. And they're, mm-hmm. I think they're hesitant to give a Deshaun size contract to Lamar because that Deshaun contract is like, it's just, it's just pure fiction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fantasy world. It's like, there's no contract. And also, I mean, whatever, we could talk about that situation. That's a whole other story. But I just think that, um, I, I, I think if we can add a few pieces in some of those key places, I really think that we're, we're right back in contention for that, for the AFC North title. Okay, so if you're giving me your Steeler come to Pittsburgh sell, mm-hmm. give it to me right now. Oh, man. Um, defense anchored by all pros at every level. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got an unbelievably talented offense. Unbelievably talented. I mean... The, the 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 you know the future is bright um you know i just think it's like if like i said if i was talking to someone at one of these key positions i would say look we're right there there's a couple of pieces and this thing clicks this thing locks into place and we've got this great great young talent and great veterans in the locker room like yourself you know good leadership so that's what i would say come be a part of this culture yeah we just need to get you to like send out videos and, and, and hand them to all the free agents. How about that? I'll be working, man. Get me down there at the combine on the field. We might even sneak you into a couple of drills. You look so good too. Oh man, please. I mean, you know, I mean, but here's the thing. I mean, that's the other thing about Pittsburgh too, is that like, it was the town where we valued, there's a great sports town. So obviously there's a value for athleticism, but mm. you know, and, and for me, it was also a town that valued the arts, you know, it's a great mm. town. Um, Andy Warhol, great art, you know, to for art, great, great museums, great libraries, you know, so growing up, there was really, you know, you, the arts were present. They were around you no matter where you were. And then of course, you know, at the time, the best drama school in the country was also in Pittsburgh. So for me, um, you know, my career as far as entertainment goes has really been emerging of that, you know, of art and of, you know, athleticism. Yeah, we're going to have to get in that Mount Lebanon, you know, hometown roots a little bit in a little bit. But I want to ask you, after seeing Kenny Pickett for a year, how do you feel about him going into the next season? I'm excited for him to get first team reps in an offseason, a full yeah. offseason full of first team reps because – you know, as everybody knows, last year, you know, Mitch was brought in first team and we had Kenny as that first round pick. But, you know, Mitch was in, you know, the pilot seat uh, at the beginning of the season. So to be able to get Kenny some more familiarity, I mean, George Pickens, it, 
I don't know, Randy Moss. I don't want to blow his head up because, like, he's you know, <laughs> not going to keep him, like, keep his head, you know. But, like, the sky is the limit with that guy. I mean, for me, I would – that's a kind of a weapon where you throw to that guy until they figure out a way to stop that guy. And then mm. what that does is spread the field, open it up. You know, Najee had a phenomenal year, and especially yeah. close out. You really saw brilliance in Najee. Mm. Um, and and also, man, Jalen Warren. Yeah. He's a beast. Sleeper pick. He's I love it. Beast. I mean, he's he's a, he's I love that guy, man. Um and then I mean Little brother was killing it. Little brother. You know? <laughs> I mean, and it's like, we were saying, and like, man, not off the field, but mm. on the field, like Aaron Hernandez, what he was before he off mm. the field. You know what I mean? Like, minus all of that, like, there's, there's a level of talent and ability, and I think versatility where you could use Connor in like so many these different ways. You saw these flashes that like yeah. you could use him in different <laughs> ways, which I think could make the offense really, really exciting and really fun. Uh, I was yeah. glad to see him because you know Fryermuth is a beast. Um, love Pat, you know. So to have a really strong tight end core, I think you saw that start to happen towards the end of the season. So that was like really exciting too. But I think Kenny's got Kenny's got great weapons. I think if we can add to the offensive line, I think we're we're humming. Mm. Well, it's crazy you bring up like the offensive line because you know we didn't know what the offensive line really was at the beginning of the year, and I felt like they made so many big strides at the end of the year. You look at that Baltimore game; they were knocking dudes around, and it was it was fun to see. You know, as a defense, uh, we love to be on the sideline and. You know, the best defenses are on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And so when we saw that last drive where Kenny had to go, Najee had to go, Pat had had some big catches, you just saw that offense grow in those moments. And so I'm looking forward to seeing those guys take that leap from year one being together to now year two where they really separate themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that was um... – a lot of the concern going into the year was offensive line and they did, they did play well. And, and it's was, but also like, you know, and I'm not saying this is the case, but like, you know, the Super Bowl teams in the early two thousands, there was like a complete makeshift offensive line that would have won the Super Bowl. So, um, so there was like hope and kind of a precedent that, Maybe mm-hmm. this could work out, and I, I think it did. You know, I think um, I think you want to continue to add pieces. You know, I think you want to have you want to get depth because you know that's a long season, and you know you guys get you guys take a lot of punishment, and uh, you know losing a key piece of your offensive line sometimes can like make or break a a game. Well, so Joe, would you like to see the team go offensive line in the first round? Oh gosh, uh, make you GM right. We're gonna make you the GM right now. Give us a breakdown of how you would draft this year. Strong cornerback class. Mm-hmm. Getting a shutdown corner would be great. Um, you bring back the legacy? Do you bring back the legacy of Joey Porter Jr.? I don't. I mean, <laughs> but the thing is, is ah, man. Oh, gosh. I'm not saying – I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I do I, – I personally, with Kenny, young quarterback, I think you go offensive line. I think you show him – that we want to protect you. We want to add pieces for you to help you specifically succeed. I do think with a young quarterback going into his second year, which we all know is like a really tricky year, I'd want to give him that kind of confidence. Uh, so I, I personally, but I mean, of course, it's always best player available. So if there's mm-hmm. a rush, then you got to look elsewhere. Um, I think, um, you know, inside linebacker something I'd look at, not necessarily maybe first round unless there was somebody. What are we picking? 17? 17. Yeah. Then we have 32 30, as well. 32 and then what, 48, I think? So they got yeah. three in the first 50. I mean, I know. they could go a bunch of different ways. I know. So I'm excited. that Those first three picks are going to be really exciting this year as far as, like, dealer draft goes, you know, because um, mm-hmm. we've got a chance to get three really talented guys that can, that can play right away. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think. GM. 
<laughs> I, I love it. We heard it first. We know who you like. You like CBs. Um, you like Joey Porter Jr. You like offensive linemen. Well, he's done his homework. I mean, deep quarterback <laughs> class. We can go this. We're going to do it for kid. I mean, he. it sounds like Omar Khan is on the call right now is what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> I love Omar. I'm, I'm, I think we're in. I was happy to hear that they went around the merry-go-round and came back to Omar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think Omar's been such a – a big part of this team for many years and um, great guy. Um, so I was, I was excited to hear that it came back to him. All right, Joe, we're going to switch off some Steeler talk here. Aaron Rodgers returned from the darkness um, and to make a decision. <laughs> I'm really just curious. Is there anybody that you've worked with in the acting world that reminds you of Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> is that like, all that method acting right there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I will tell a story. Okay. I was out in Malibu at dinner with, with my wife, with Sophia. And it was in the midst of last year's, like, is he going to come back or not sweepstakes? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was out in Malibu, and he had not enough hair really on top to be rocking the, the, the top knot. You know what I mean? Like, it just wasn't enough. Like, you really need long hair. It needs to be ponytail. Like, you don't want to be accused of man bun. You know what I right. mean? You don't want to hear that word. So, it was, not, it was just like this on top. And he was out there, and I'm like, man, this guy's supposed to be in training camp. You know? And he's out here at, like, Nobu Malibu rocking the, the mini man bun. It was like, I don't know what's going on here. You know? And so... The next day, I, I won't I won't say names, but I bumped into one of his tight ends who I happen to be friends with, and I was like, "Hey, man, what's up? I saw your boy out at you know Nobu Malibu last night." And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Listen, the GM and the coach they're on a plane right now, flying out there to bring him back." So it was like, you know, I don't know whoever it is that won't come out of their trailer. Maybe that's like whatever that actor is. I would say, oh, okay. you know, I'm gonna get in trouble for what I'm saying right now. But like, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is here's the crazy thing: he's turned into Brett Favre. I know he has. Brett it's Favre. it's what is he gonna do every year? Every if year. he retires, it's definitely a Brett Favre move. It's like for all the criticisms of like, ah, oh, Brett did this and that. It's like. He's Brett Favre. And even, like, the talk of him going to the Jets, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. Yeah, We're in a simulation. (laughs) I'm saying he fits right in. That's my answer. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right, Cam, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. If your quarterback went on a darkest retreat as a leader of the team, what is your take on that? I guess I got to dig him out out, out of there. You know, I got to go into the forest behind the cave. Would you join him? I probably just, I wouldn't join another dude in 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 the cave alone. <laughs> but <laughs> I think for me, I just you know I'd say, hey, you hit the road, you get back. I'll I'll spend a day out here. I'll finish up your time out here. But um, you know, I don't think you should be doing that. Like you know, it's good to do it in the off season right now. But like, if you're going in the training camp, don't be you know missing at the time. Like because everybody's preparing for the season. Um, you know, everybody's entitled to how they get ready. Uh, but you know, he's going to have to make a decision sooner or later. I want to ask you both. Did you guys get to see Travis Kelsey on SNL this weekend? I didn't. Was How was he? Cam, did you? It was pretty good. You know, I think think? he had some good skits and you know, the great thing about it is it's, it's live. So like you could tell he was prepared for the moment though. It wasn't like he was nervous. You know, I thought he had a lot of fun. He brought out his brother, um, they even had a part or skit with um, Creed Humphrey, and I thought that was pretty. You know, it, w- it was spot on. With you know, uh, they were acting like um, there was a, a United Way skit, and you know, they had the Peyton United Way one. This was when you know the little guys can't pick up their wives or girlfriends, and so they hire these big guys like Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey and. Uh, Creed Humphrey. So you know, I thought I got a lot of laughs, and he looked like he had a lot of fun. Are you saying like like physically pick them up? Is that what yes, we're... yes? So, I'll say, man, that's funny. You bring up a story. Like there was a club in the '90s downtown called Heaven right? <laughs> in so, Pittsburgh. Heaven was like the hot club. Yeah, the Renaissance Hotel. If you ever been to the Renaissance, like that that yeah. yeah. So, so the lobby is this gorgeous marble 
ballroom, big grand staircase, like harkens back to like the early 1900s, like that kind of architecture, just gorgeous. That lobby was the club. Mm -hmm. You go in, had this huge marble. Like if you pull the carpet up, there's a giant gold disc that says heaven in the middle underneath, like still to this day, right? Anyway, beautiful club. I was a bouncer there all through college. So that's how I like paid my rent. <laughs> you know, it was like working <laughs> as a bouncer at heaven. And, you know, there were some fights that broke out. And there was, you know, I almost lost an eye on a glass, glass coffee table. Um, gosh. You know, there was... I mean, gosh, it's like, what do I want? I mean, guys throwing punches at you, wives, wives coming at you, trying to claw your face. Like, I mean, it was like, you know, it would get rowdy sometimes. And you needed uh, a helmet. What's that? <laughs> you needed a helmet. <laughs> For sure. I need a face mask. I need the whole visor and everything. Yes. But on New Year's, you know, which we would call amateur night, you know, New Year's mm -hmm. Eve, I remember this one year, this guy was so drunk. And his wife was sick, like just so drunk she couldn't walk. Right. And it was like, hey, can you carry my wife out? Can you help me? <laughs> I, this is like the skit you're talking about. I was carrying his wife like this down the, the stairs. He's like ballroom stairs. <laughs> and, and he's following behind like drunk, stumbling around. And she throws up all over me onto my oh. shirt. And the guy, the stupid guys behind me, just so, you know, so anyway, that's, that's the skit. It was me on New Year's carrying this guy's drunken wife throwing up on me out to the curb. We might need yeah. to re recreate this skit. I think we could just do story time with just Joe's jobs growing up. He was Captain Morgan. He was, I mean, he worked at a back club at about as a bouncer. I mean, there's so much going on that you did as a kid. It sounds like. Yeah, right. I, I've lived nine lives. I've had a really interesting, <laughs> interesting life. Yes, I have. Oh my gosh, for sure. All right, y'all want to get some quick Steeler questions in here? I'm going to do some quick here. Let's do all it. All right, Joe, who's your favorite Steeler of all time? Troy Polamalu. Mm. Quick favorite Steeler memory. Super Bowl Forty Three, Tampa, Harrison, hundred yard return, Santonio Holmes, Ben leads the truck. I mean, it was insane. That was incredible. Other than like my wedding, that was the most incredible <laughs> day of my life. Were you at that one? Yeah, I was there. Oh yeah, uh, I had yeah. I was on the fifty yard line. I got invited to sit in the New Orleans Saints box. Because they had extra seats, so I sold my oh, ticket, wow. got into their box, and um, was right there on the fifth yard, like as James Harrison like ran right by down. Yeah. I mean, it was that it was that was crazy. It took me about four days of sleep to like recover from that week. Oh, and then I went to the after party, hung out with everybody. Oh. Snoop changed the words to gin and juice to like this song about the Steelers. It was like <laughs> it was amazing. I have pictures of me and Troy, me and Hines, me and um. Jeff Reed with the hair, oh, <laughs> yeah. the hair at the time. I mean, I got hair. <laughs> All right. Craziest celebrity Steelers fan, not yourself. Oh, other than me. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this every year. And actually it's coming up on Oscar weekend. Mm -hmm. Every year at the Vanity Fair Oscar party, you know, you get it, you put your tux on, you wife gets to dress. Y'all go out, you get dinner, you go to the party and inevitably I will run into Jeff Goldblum and Michael Keaton. And the three oh, of us wow. up and just talk Steeler. Deep dive, hardcore, how we doing, what's going on, what's happening, who do we need in the draft, did you watch the combine? It's just deep dive. So there's a great picture of us from last year, uh, or of all of us in our tuxes, or maybe it was like two years ago of all of us in our tuxes, because every year we find each other and we just talk Steelers. Well, it's funny you bring them up, because like I didn't know Goldblum was a fan. Mm -hmm. I know he was from Pittsburgh, yeah. but then we were at a Penguins game, me, my wife, and Connor. And, you know, I'm looking around, looking next to Connor. Connor is like, why are you looking to your left? And I'm like, I think that's Michael Keaton. And he's like, Michael Keaton? I'm like, that's Batman. And so we didn't say anything the whole time. And then somehow uh, it was at the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it got a puck got flipped over top. And Connor caught it, and somehow we all just got excited, and we we're like, "Oh, it's Michael Keaton! What's up, man?" And like we started dapping up and everything, and then I was like, "Can we get a picture?" And he was like, "Yeah, of course." And like 
I was just so shocked it took that moment to like us to ask for a picture with Michael Keaton. <laughs> He's the best. No, they're just that's the thing, like that I was saying before. If you're from Pittsburgh, you just you just know Yeah. You're like you, you know that person's okay. Like you, yes. you know they're cool. Like you know they're down they're down to earth. And no they matter are. how inflated or, or, or odd this whole business gets, it's like they're like little anchors in the storm where you just kind of mm. run into these people. You're like, right, like you get it. This yeah. is all crazy. Let's just talk about the draft. <laughs> well, how often is a fan coming up to you to not maybe talk about your work, but talk about the Steelers? Sometimes. I mean, that, that was the thing. I, I think years ago, you didn't know who rooted for what team. Mm-hmm. You know, like 15 years ago, let's say, like it wasn't that way. You kind of were like, I think they're from there. I don't know. But it was one of those things where for me, especially at the time, I think Byron Leftwich was a huge True Blood fan. Mm. So he got everybody on the team to start watching. So, you know, Ben watched. You know, um, uh, I was on the field to wave the towel, and I hear this, yo, I'll see And I look over, and Ryan Clark's like, you know. <laughs> I'm at Coachella, and Troy came running across the field to grab me to say hi because he saw me. You know, it was like. Wait, Troy was at Coachella? With the whole family. <laughs> what? Everybody. Kids? Oh, yeah, man. Wow. Everybody. And the whole family was there, you know? And that's how Troy and I got to know each other and become friends, you know? So it was like, it was just like a really cool time for me because also then I just started repping Pittsburgh. And I was like, well, why can't we, why can't I advertise whatever project I have on the sports shows? Yeah. I started doing Rich Eisen a lot and got to be friends with Rich Eisen. And every time I came on, I looked like I was in like a Steelers Halloween costume, you know? (laughs) And then it just became this thing where it was like, I'll be the, you know, I'll I'll be the Pittsburgh guy. I love Pittsburgh, you know? And, and so it became this fun thing where you kind of raise your flag, like, yo, I'm this, I'm the guy. So, and then that also then lots of, it would, it would get a lot of hate too. Mm. Cause then it was like new England fans, Baltimore fans, yeah. like, I'm getting into it. People are yelling stuff at me, you know, which is like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I remember Andy Whitel, okay? Andy Whitel went to Mount Lebanon High School where I went. And we were coming out of the back hallway. I was coming out with Thomas Tull, uh, you know, one of the co-owners. We were coming out yeah. of the owner suite. And they made us stop at the elevators to bring the Ravens coaching staff out after they had won the game at like the last second. Oh. So we were all really salty. Uh, here's my dog. She's, <laughs> she's oh, hey. Love it. Laughing, yeah. nap the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hold on. You know, so you're salty. You're like, why do we have to wait? What's going on? Oh, and the Ravens staff comes by and it's Andy. I saw Andy in this Ravens jacket and it was like, no, you know, so I won't go into it in detail, but like we got into it verbally in that hall <laughs> to the point where I didn't know, like I was kind of took my hands out of my pockets, you know, like I was like, I don't know if we're, we're going back to the bouncer days at heaven. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. It didn't go there, but I did apologize to the Roonies and to Thomas. I was like, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to come off as aggressive or as a jerk in your presence you're like no we thought it was awesome (laughs) um, you know when you become when you stand for something then there's also the opposing force which you know in that case was members of the ravens coaching staff so i haven't seen andy since so andy if you're out there let's uh grab a cup of coffee uh let's let's uh let's put this all to bed i'm glad you're back home yeah, I'll, I'll have to tell him about this. I'll, I'll give Andy a little bit of hell next time I see him. It was in Steelers Digest because Teresa Varley saw it, and so she wrote a story about it, so it's out there somewhere. Okay, okay, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> I want to ask you about the short documentary you, you directed and produced about Steeler fans that, no, called Diehards? Yeah, a long time ago. So, you know, I, I um, every once in a while, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of directing a documentary right now, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. directing and producing the official 50-year history of Dungeons & Dragons. I just got back from Seattle late last night. We were filming oh, wow. all week. And um, yeah, and then before that, I directed a documentary called Le Bear, um, which was about um, a 55-year-old 
male stripper in Dallas, Texas, who had been stripping consecutively since 1979. And he lived with his mom. And his mom was his dietitian and his trainer and his like biggest cheerleader. So we went down to film him and then this club and then there was a murder. So we filmed that. Anyway, so I love I loved documentary filmmaking. But really, it started when L.A., um, it was Ben's rookie season. Mm-hmm. And we went on that crazy winning streak with Ben. Mm-hmm. And I, this is before like the package and NFL Sunday ticket. And so you had to go to a Steeler bar if it wasn't locally televised. Yeah. So I was, I, what I found was there was this subculture of Steelers bars all over LA. And I started going to them and I started hearing these people tell these crazy stories to me about how they weren't even born in the United States, had never even been to Pittsburgh. But they would like fight some Cleveland fan to the death, you know, over the Steelers. And it was like, what is that? Why, why are they so obsessed? Like, why the Steelers? Like, why do you care? You have nothing to do with this. And so we went out and filmed a documentary about it, at doc, kind of documenting these different bars and these different wild, crazy characters at them. Mm. That's no. awesome. Yeah, that's intense. Steeler fans are nuts. I think we can all agree on that. It's it's a, it's an infection in it's, our brain. It's a great nuts, though. It, like, it's a great nuts, but it's – I mean, it's like when Cam and I go anywhere, we could be at random places, and people will be like, Cam, what's up? Like Charleston, South Carolina, anywhere he is, people know him. So, yeah, yeah they're in, they're a crazy brand. Got to find Steelers bars. Yeah, I was, in, I was in Hawaii driving a rental car around, and someone was honking at me. You know, and you don't honk in Hawaii. Like, that's like an unwritten rule. Even if, like yeah. – at a red light for an hour you don't honk your horn like it's just not that way we got to chill bro so i'm driving <laughs> my rental car around someone is in back with a honking honking and i'm like what and i look behind it's like a school bus and i'm like the school bus i'm like what am i do i have the blinkers on I'm like, what am i doing wrong the, they pull up and the kids are hanging out the window going Steelers! i was wearing a Steeler hat backwards and they saw the Steeler oh, symbol wow. in the window so they were honking like we love the Steelers in hawaii <laughs> so they're all crazy building the perfect same game parlay can be time consuming but with quick picks the caesar sportsbook app does the work for you quick picks are pre-built same game parlays that turn today's biggest headlines storylines and games into bets they're quick and easy to use and you can't miss them they're right on the home screen of your caesar sportsbook app give them a try and if you haven't downloaded the app yet register using code omaha full and then place your first bet if you win congrats if you don't you'll get your stake up to twelve hundred and fifty dollars back as a bet credit if you have a gambling problem in arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF louisiana call 1-877-770-STOP licensed to horseshoe bossier city and harris new orleans michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER which is 1-800-426-2537 or in west virginia visit one 800 Gambler.net, New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. You mentioned earlier you used to go on, you went on Rich Eyes, and I saw a clip there where you were doing Pittsburghese. Now, I'm a huge fan of the accent. So this next game, can we get you to do a, a start bench cut oh in Pittsburghese? All right. I'll do my best. I do your best. And I understand if you can't do it, I know it's not easy to do. So here we go. Start bench cut first one. 
Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew McCutcheon, Sidney Crosby. Oh, gosh. Start, bench, cut. Uh, ben Crosby. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me, man? Um, Cutch just got back, man. You're going to do this to him? <laughs> he just got back. Um, boy, okay, so Ben's got two rings. Crosby got three. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Um, man, that's so tough. I don't know how you pick between start and ben. See, and now Ben's – I know Ben's going to say some if I say <laughs> You could say it. You could say it. If you're going to bench him, you could say it. It's okay. Nobody benches Ben. Um, <laughs> Nobody puts baby in the corner. Of the corner. Yeah, I knew that was coming. I knew that was no, coming. No, the second Ben started, he was amazing. But the second Sid started, he was amazing. I mean, all right, yeah. we're going to go championships, okay? That's it. Okay. Sid, Ben, Kutch. It's championships. It's all – that's that's how I decided. That's it. Okay. okay, this next one, I think I got an idea where you're going to be leaning. Troy Polamalu, TJ Watt, Joe Green. Ooh. <sighs> Oh, I mean, this one's got to be a history thing, right? Like, I know Ooh. Troy's your favorite, but, but I mean, it's like you, there is no Steelers without Joe Green. You don't have four. Yeah, there's no Steelers yeah. over the past 55 years if there's no Joe Green. So right. you got to start Joe. And you, and, 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 and you oh gosh, because TJ TJ's gonna understand if you have to cut him. You gotta cut Watt. <laughs> but he's he's gonna. I mean, oh gosh, he's twenty eight years old. Yeah, I mean, okay. In the James Harrison sense, I will cut TJ only to get him back once the Ravens cut him too. Okay. <laughs> you think Fair. the Ravens are gonna cut? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they cut James. I'm just saying, like, James went from yeah. to be kind of pinballed. I'm going to pray that happens, even though I know it's not. I mean, that that's just impossible. But you got you got to start Joe. Okay. Troy is first ballot Hall of Famer. You've got, yeah. you, you know, you, you got to respect your elders, man. And uh, and then, I, but this is, these are impossible. These are awful. These are horrible. Aiden came up with these. He's taking credit for these. So. I'm not, I didn't come up with the best point to make them hard. All right. All right we're gonna, this one may be a little easier. Wiz Khalifa, Christina Aguilera, or Brett Michaels? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, man, that's tough. Um, man. I think in terms of importance to the Steelers organization, I think you got to start with Khalifa. Mm, I think okay. Wiz rolls out to sing Black and Yellow, and the place goes crazy. The only reason I'm going to say that is because Christina sang the national anthem and kind of fumbled it a little bit. Oh. If you remember that. Which one? When was that? What game was that? I would say it was a Super Bowl that I was at. It might have been the – Second Giants Patriot, I think. Okay. So, I'm, okay. so, so um, but she's responsible probably for the debacle of the, of the Patriots at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm going to put her on the bench. Wiz is going to get out there and do black and yellow. But if something happens, he gets he's feeling not good that morning, gets sick, gets COVID. Then <laughs> we'll bring Brett Michaels. And I mean, I got, but I mean, but I, you know, I, I had like open up and say ah t-shirts when I was younger. Like every road yeah. has its thorn, you know. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan. All right, most famous Mount Lebanon alum, Ooh. yourself, Kurt Angle, or Mark Cuban? Jeez, I mean, There's I more I, I, there too. Well, no, that's what I say. Cam did recon on that and started naming the people that went to your high school. I am amazed. You have one of the most famous high schools in the country. And that's yeah. Ming Na Wen. Ming Na Wen. Yeah, Ming Na Wen, Dave yeah. Filoni. Yeah. Um, it's insane the amount of people that went there. It's a great high school. It really was. I got to say. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, shout out uh, state champion football team. Yep. Uh, year before last. Um, so, gosh, I mean – Oh man, I would put. I don't know. That's tough. You know. I mean, Kurt. I mean, we all we've all had our moment. I would say. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if the mass general public would recognize the guy from Shark Tank over the guy from <laughs> True Blood or Magic Mike, or if it's the professional wrestling crowd. You know, yeah. like that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. I think it's like kind of like which one's bigger. I think, I think, I think if it's like if you're at a bachelorette party, you got to start me. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, no you don't want to start Mark Cuban? Come on. Come on. <laughs> um, unless he has some like bachelorette product that he's. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, and I think, um, but I, but I also, yeah, I think. Um, oh, man. That's, that's, that's a tough one, man. I mean, you know, I'm not like a party getting everybody together. Metal champion, you know, but like when it comes to bachelorette party skills, I mean, I've, I've got to go with mine. I'm just changing the whole question right now. So you're good. Fine. Yeah, that's you can good. start yourself. Well, you know what? We'll start you. We'll start you and cut everybody but else. But if you need your wife carried around by someone else, you got to go Kurt Angle. Oh. Oh, suplex. Wow. <laughs> no, like, like, you know, United Way or whatever, you know, like you're carrying the wives or, you know, can you carry my girlfriend? Yeah. I think, I think, uh, Kurt, I'll, I'll be interested to see what Kurt's max lifts are in his payday. Oh. Mm. oh, they have to be insane. Yeah. yeah. Olympian champion or Olympic gold medal. Yeah. He could lift. No doubt. I feel like we just need to have like a reunion party for all you guys and just like make it a Steelers game. I'm, I'm in like Mount Lebanon night and we just yeah. roll up. Oh my gosh. They would go insane for, I think everybody would go insane for that. I'm in, but yeah, I mean, maybe, okay. So I would, I would start, I would start Kurt. I'll start Kurt bench Cuban and, and, and I would cut myself. I would oh, cut myself. oh, what a nice that. guy. What a, what a humble don't guy. Don't do that. Don't fall on the sword for the rest of them. They wouldn't do that for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right, man. I would, I would start. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us about your documentary that you're working on right now. Yeah, so I'm directing and producing the official 50-year history of Dungeons and Dragons documentary. So, mm. um, you know, it started in 1974 in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and uh, has spread through the culture. Like, it's responsible for so much. Um, yeah. The entire video game industry doesn't exist without Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons worked out all of the equations and basically math and functions, things like like health, you know, in a video game, like oh. points, leveling up, getting experience points and then leveling up. Like all these things were made popular by the game. Um, and then, you know, with perspective, there's this entire generation of kids like myself that grew up playing it that were trained before we knew it was a job. We people like, the Duffer brothers who created Stranger mm-hmm. Things were running adventures in dungeon mastering. Dan White, Dave Benioff, who created Game of Thrones, both dungeon masters. When asked, what is show running? It's what a dungeon master did as a kid. It's why we were obsessed with it. People like, you know, Moby, Rob Zombie, um, y- you know, uh, uh, Scott Ian from Anthrax, Kirk Hammett from Metallica, Cliff Burton, the old bassist from Metallica. Um, you've got uh, all grew up playing it. You have visual artists like Shepard Fairey, David Cho. They grew up and kind of cut their teeth. Tiffany Haddish. Ming-Na Wen was the president of her science fiction fantasy club at Mount Lebanon High School back in the day. Yeah. Like, you don't know how wide it's risk. Stephen Colbert. Um you, you've got you know, Senator Cory Booker, Anderson Cooper. Then you've got like, you know, Dave Filoni. You've got John Favreau. All these writers, directors, novelists, politicians, the big show, professional wrestlers, Vince Vaughn, Tom Morello, Rage Against the Machine. All of us grew up playing this game that then molded us into the artists that we spun off and became. And so it's a lot of those voices talking about how much they owe to the game and these crazy stories mixed in with like nuclear scientist level geniuses who actually <laughs> built the game at these different levels. And so, and, and then there was like the satanic panic, which people don't remember. So yeah. back in the eighties, um, they thought the kids were summoning demons and they thought that this was somehow black magic. And so the church rose up 
and started taking the books from the kids and parents started parent groups and burning the books. They wow. vilified this game. They went after the creator. So there was these really wild ups and downs to the history of this game. And um, the documentary, it takes you through that whole ride, but like in a really exciting and, um, and, uh, and really fun way. Oh my gosh. I have like, I had no idea. Like I was just like doing my homework, trying to learn more about you. And I'm like, wow, this is actually very interesting. Like you're a dungeon master, right? Yeah, I and run so my friends. You yeah. like to do the storytelling. I, I think that's it's very interesting and like a new avenue that like, you know, you get to explore. Yeah, I mean, that's how I started acting. I started acting because I made my own movies in Mount Lebanon. We had mm. a TV studio uh, back in the day, which was really unheard of. And we had editing equipment, like analog editing equipment where you could cut your film. Um, they, wow. had they had teleprompters. So it became this way for me to work out that part of myself that I had started developing, running these games for, for my friends. You know, I found these mm. books, found this way to create stories as cooperative storytelling with my friends. They all played characters. I was creating basically a TV series that they were on and we didn't know if anybody was going to live or die in every episode <laughs> and the we're going to solve it, you know? And so we were running these adventures and then I found cameras. And when it was time to like, you know, get a real job, you know, I, I wound up be, you know, going in and getting trained at Carnegie Mellon to basically play pretend and create characters. <laughs> and and I realized like, you know, now I've really more than ever come back to come back home in a way where I'm getting back to what my first love was before acting. My mm -hmm. first love was writing stories, directing my friends, producing these, you know, figuring out how to make it, you know, and, and, um, and so directing and writing and producing have been at the forefront. And it's actually like, it's what I'm doing now. Like, it's, it's just like predominantly. So, um, a, a, you know, and, and I found out how to do that as a kid playing, the, playing, playing this game or playing some of these games. You got to teach me some of this stuff, man. Dude, come like, seriously, we'll make you a character. You pick a character. You remember Cassius Marsh? Yeah. Okay. Dude, he's so killing it right now. Cash is the homie, and he and I play, we play magic cards. Okay. So we stay in touch. We play cards all the time, which are kind of like these spell, this spell card game where, like, some of the cards are worth almost a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. There was a card. One of the cards, the Black Lotus, sold for a million dollars last year. Anyway, Jesus. so we, we play this card game, right? But I, he, if he loves that in his mind, making characters, fantasy, all that kind of stuff, like, I, I'm like, you got to come over and make your character. So it's like, we yeah. can, like... An all defense. I could probably get Troy up. We make Troy a character. We have a little Steeler adventure. I'd yes. work something up for you guys. Swords, battle axes, you know, yeah. killing bad guys going on. You gotta on. make Hayden like a little gnome or no, something. No, I'm good. I'll just watch. I don't need to be involved. Let <laughs> it just be a strictly defense thing. I'm cool. Bring the defensive guys in. Get James Harrison. Get them all in there. Get everybody in there. Oh, that yeah, would be think it's like Your character winds up, it's a piece of your personality. Your personality gets to come out through it, you know? Mm -hmm. So... You know, you like whatever it's whatever it is you want to do, whatever side of your personality. If it's a gnome, it's a gnome, you know, so or you could be you can be what you are, you could be what you what you're really not, you know. So it's a way to kind of explore and play, you know, kind of step inside the shoes and really mix it up and, 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 and have like like I said, you have this like really wild, crazy story that unfolds with your friends. You're inside of the T V show or your favorite book. Dude, that's that's beyond cool like, i think you've got cam cam wants to do it cam wants to come over and play dungeons and dragons yeah i'll come over i i, I don't know anything about it but like shoot i'm game i will <laughs> you'll you'll learn it, it, it's easy man i'll just walk you right through it okay you love it you dig it sweet 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. 
If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we're going to go through some not just football topics. We're going to be pretty quick because we won't take up too much of your time. Um, give us how you got involved with the Penguins and Sidney Crosby. Oh, well, um, that was a guy named Leo McCaffrey. Uh, mm. Leo McCaffrey came to me, and uh, he was producing a the 50th anniversary documentary of the Penguins, funny enough, 50 years of history. So he wanted me to narrate, and so I narrated that. We wound up winning an Emmy for it. Wow. Damn. Uh, for the doc. And then I wound up getting called. There was a, uh, a group doing a series wow. for Audible, a podcast about Sid. And I had met Sid, become friends with Sid because of um, also I hosted the NHL Awards the year that it was in Vegas when they did the Golden Knights draft. And so I hosted, you know, hosted the show and I was hanging out backstage with Sid most of the time. Oh, wow. And so, you know, he and I just hit it off and when it came time to find someone, a Pittsburgher, to narrate this Sidney Crosby series about his rookie season, they called me. And so that's uh, kind of how I became involved with, with the organization. And since then, you know, we just do all kinds of fun things. Wow. You, know? you ever turned on a role in TV, a TV show or a film that you regret? Not really. Um, I trust okay. my gut when it comes to that stuff. And uh you know, um, it's more of like there were circumstances that kept me from doing certain roles. You know, there's there's a few gigantic roles that would have changed my life, changed my career that I didn't get to do. But it wasn't because I turned them down. It was because, you know, circumstances were such that I couldn't go do them. And there's a handful of them that are backbreaking like heart heart heartbreaking you know i don't i don't know if i'll ever be over some of them can you tell us one i mean you know um true blood because of, because i was on true blood and that's a tv show and you have to spend most of your time there i couldn't play <clears throat> superman um oh man. you know then, then there was the whole you know the whole batman thing you know you get cast to be the main villain in batman which to me is like I mean, it's kind of like Batman, James Bond, Batman villain. Yeah. Those are, you know, the brass rings for me. And I caught one of them. And, um, you know, because of circumstances, that didn't happen. Then the standalone movie I was writing didn't happen. Then oh. there were several versions of Suicide Squad where it was going to be me versus Will Smith. Those didn't happen. So, you know, it just snowballed. It was just a six-year process of getting your hopes up and then coming back down, getting your hopes up, coming back down. Um, and then there was like a gigantic, um, you know, big TV role uh, that was me. I'd spent six months screen testing. I screen tested twice, did 38 pages of dialogue over six months and screen tested twice. And the entire creative team said, you're the guy, you are it. And then the head of the studio, like didn't like me for some reason, wouldn't let it happen. So after six months of, of that kind of work and excitement, um, got taken away. Must have and, been a Baltimore fan. So, yeah, I know. Maybe, yeah, maybe they were Ravens fan. I didn't think of it. Right. Yeah. Bengals, Ravens or Browdy. That's what Oh my is. goodness. Yeah. But it's just kind of the nature of the business, you know, it's, um, it can, it can break your heart sometimes, you know, and, and, um, but lucky for me, like I said, it's like, I just took all of that and went back to the thing that I loved the most when I was younger, which was telling a story, coming up mm. with a story, directing a story, producing a story, writing a story. And, um, and that's what I've been doing and I've been having a lot of fun with it. And I, you know, I, I really missed it all and it's very fulfilling. So that's awesome. You know, I think the producing and directing, um, you know, doesn't get the love that it should. And to be able to like, you know, share that side is, is pretty special. Um, yeah. 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 It's, it's fun for me. I enjoy that. I, I, I almost like that more than, than anything else. Mm. 
All right, I'm going to hit you with like these really quick questions, and we're going to get you out of here. How about that? All right. All right. Give us your welcome to Hollywood moment or welcome to acting moment. Oh, gosh. Well, along those along those lines, welcome to Hollywood was, you know, I was cast in Spider-Man, and two weeks later, my roommate came home and said that her friend auditioned for my part. <laughs> so that the head of the studio, again, head of the studio, like, didn't want me in the movie against the wishes of Sam Raimi and all the whole creative team. Again, creative team wants me, but... Some executive was not into me, and so um, they wound up auditioning a bunch of other people. And for, for a month and a half, they took the part away and went and auditioned a bunch of other people. And wow. then my agent called me on Christmas Eve and said, um, this is how he said it. He said, uh, well, they didn't find anybody else, so you got the part back. <laughs> it's like That's being so drafted and being like, hey, everybody took our best picks. We're just going to go with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, uh, there wasn't anybody else, but we drafted you. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, okay. Um, so, you know, that was kind of a welcome to Hollywood. Just just that. I knew it was going to be it was going to be a violent up and down, you know, mm. from there. And uh, it has. <laughs> For sure. What was your first purchase when you got your first check? First purchase when I got like a big check? Um, so, you know, I'm 6'5", and I've been 6'5 since 16, and um, at my house growing up, we had, uh, I was on a queen bed growing up. So, you know, Pittsburgh gets cold in the winter, so my feet would pull the sheets out and then stick out over the edge of the bed by, like, that much. So my, I would always wake up with cold feet, and so I was like, I'm buying a California King, Ooh, and then I'm getting a giant like 11 foot by eight foot on each side couch so i can lay on the couch and stretch out and not have to like be in the fetal position on a couch so it's giant couch giant bed there furniture you go. there you go that is big man problems right there yeah yeah that sounds like something you've been dealing with and waiting for for a long time to fix a long yeah all right last question who should we get on the show next oh man Who should you get on the show next? I would say, I would go. And so, is an actor, player, it like what? Doesn't we, matter. You go for it. We we'll try to get them in, or have you try to get them in if you can? I mean, <laughs> you know them. Yeah, if you want to help, I mean, by all means, please. I know. I know he really took like a football hiatus. Yeah, but. Troy Polamalu is one of the most fascinating people you can talk to. He's yeah. just on a different level. It's like it's like talking to a medieval warrior. <laughs> you know? You're, like, you're exactly right. He is just this like centered like warrior. He is lawful. He is like just he's like it's a, it's a knight. He's like a knight. He's the most interesting monk. Yes. <laughs> Joe, I've always got crazy about him is he's so soft-spoken, but he plays like a heat-seeking missile on the field. So it's two totally different people when yeah. he's inside the lines, which is always crazy to me. But yeah. Troy's one of the most lovable people. And if you have conversations with Troy, you just learn, like, like you could talk to Troy about anything and you're going to get a great story out of it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, like, like, I think like, you know, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers earlier going off in the dark, like that's kind of his version of spirituality or that kind of, that's how he wears it. Yeah. We had Troy, you yeah. know, and Troy was like a different brand of that type of spiritual power, yeah. you know, like he was like just centered playing this violent, dangerous game, like on the edge, man. You know, yeah. you see him on the sideline, like crossing, you know, doing his little mantra you know what I mean? Which I believe was like maybe like some sort of like orthodox prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's just like <sighs> riding that 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 razor's edge during those games. And um, but then you get him off, and you know he's just like a really funny kind of like oh, yeah. uh, kind of pra practical joker, kind of prankstery kind of guy. You know? Yes, he is. He's performed too many pranks around me, and it's you know. <laughs> and they're usually Wait, first what's me. a prank he did to you? What did he do to you? Well, you know, okay, he would always uh, hand out water bottles and, like, he would always unscrew the tops. So then, like, Very hey, Jim, get the water. And then, like, it's doused on my face at the beginning of practice. This, this, like, Troy was always capable of just, like, taking it to a different level. 
Um, and like, you know, I think that's why I'm a big kid too. Cause I was like, Troy, if Troy can act this way, I can totally act this way too and get away with it. So, you know, I think Troy just, you know, brought out the, you know, the happier times for everybody. Well, I want to wrap up this episode by saying thank you to Joe Manganello. Thank you so much for coming on. Everybody stay tuned for his documentary of Dungeons and Dragons. That is another episode, not just football. Make sure you like and subscribe and continue to just keep looking out for Joe Manganello. He's doing a great job. Appreciate you, brother. Hey, man. Thanks for telling guys. <laughs>